Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening and welcome to Amplify, a telephone talk show that looks at life from a religious perspective. I'm Father Ron Lingwin, hoping that you have felt the warmth of God's love in your life this day, but especially the joy you feel when you share God's love with others and We needed to be doing a lot of that these days. I think I would uh, begin with the same comments that I led with last week on this program, that God's loving care is often hidden, like those ministering right now to those who are in need. We've, We've heard some of their individual stories. We've not heard them all, why they're involved how they feel about what they're doing. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later with our with our guest. Um, a section of his book is titled God is Love. And in that section, he explains that everything God does is for our good, not for God's good. That, could that mean that we don't understand everything that God does? It appears to be more human than divine. Everything God does is for our good, not his. Could that mean that we don't understand everything he does? It appears to be more human than divine. And I would suggest we need to think about that. Now, pray about that. Praying to God is very important. It's an exercise in, in free will where we express that indeed we need God's help. But then as much as we've done with those who are ministering to people today, we need to express our thanks. We need to express our gratitude that what could be now is is not what was predicted to be at one time. How many people would die? How many people would be influenced by coronavirus. Just not what it could have been, especially the number of deaths in the United States, but but also knowing at the same time that it could be worse in the future. And that depends on our behavior. It depends in some sense that we believe in our leaders and their knowledge, their expertise which is very difficult in a very diverse world and and country. Well, what about our faith in God? Where does that come in? 
How will that influence our future? We want to talk a little bit about that tonight. But as we as we do each week, I'd like to begin our program with a story that is based on faith and formed with imagination, because it's faith that we're going to talk about tonight. The title of the book is The Catholic Faith Explained. It The title doesn't maybe ex- turn some of you on, but it's a book really that can be understood by most Christians, would most of it would be agreed with by most Christians, even those who, who aren't, because we're talking about faith, the importance and the power of faith. But again, first of all, story of faith and imagination. A group of men gathered together on a beautiful day, a day that those who had visited with Jesus would not soon forget. Peter said to Jesus, The men are waiting for you. Jesus nodded. Again, Peter said, Master, the men are waiting for you. And the second time, Jesus nodded again. And now with evident frustration in his voice, Peter said firmly, Master, the men await you. Patience, Jesus said, patience. Peter turned toward John who said to him, Be quiet and say nothing. When the Master is this way, you know that he is either deep in thought or in prayer. Peter replied, Well, it was I who went to the village to convince these men to come here to hear him. And he keeps them waiting. Jesus heard Peter's words, but did not say anything. He got up and walked slowly to the crowd that had gathered. He thanked them for coming and said, It has been a long day for all of us, but hopefully you will understand what I am about to say. A young man got up and said, Master, I have a question to ask you for which I beg an answer. I have followed you and listened to you, but never has this question been asked of you. Why is it so important to pass on to the future generations the faith you have revealed to us? Why is this so important? Jesus thought for a moment and then answered, Did I not keep you waiting? The young man shook his head in agreement and said, Yes, but we thought you were in prayer, tired, or perhaps had changed your mind and did not want to speak to us. This time Peter shook his head in disagreement and responded, I was teaching you a lesson. The men began to talk among themselves, and one asked, What kind of a lesson? Jesus waited until there was silence and then answered, A lesson about faith and hope. Without faith, there can be no hope. Without hope, there can be no future. Without a future, there can be no generations to come. You will listen to me and take my thoughts back with you. You will share them with others, and they will be carried all over the world. Two of the men began to laugh. Jesus said, Mock me if you wish, but I tell you this, the words I have spoken will spread. They will be like the unending waves of the sea. They will reach many shores, touching many lands. The words I have spoken will be carried like raindrops and will fall upon many, some of them will wipe away. Others will gather them like the women who draw water from the well. 
Then Jesus became silent for a moment before saying, My friends, if you can only remember one thing, I ask you to pass on to your spouse, to your brothers and sisters, to your neighbors, that the Creator loves you like no one else loves you, that you were special in His eyes, that you are a gift to the world, and that the gift He has given to all of you is the precious life, precious gift of life and faith, so that when you return home, you will see Him in all His glory and feel His love like no other being in all of his creation can give to you story of faith and imagination and that story continues in some way in this program uh, this evening and our guest writes in his his book titled the catholic faith explained if you think about friendships you will notice how much they depend upon trust in fact when trust is broken friendship ends quickly have you ever thought about what trust is and how it works? Trust is what we extend to people when we believe that what they say and do is truthful and good. In other words, we cannot trust people who lie with their words or actions or who harm us. We can trust only people who are honest. To be honest is not only to be truthful, but also to be upright in our intentions, always seeking the true good of others. Trustworthiness is not simply about what a friend says or does when he or she is with us, but even more importantly, what a friend says and does when you are apart. True friends can be trusted because they never go behind your back and break trust with you. Faith is the same as trust. To say that a person has quote-unquote broken faith or has been quote-unquote, unfaithful, is to say that he has been unworthy, untrustworthy. To have faith in someone is ultimately to say that we trust that person and entrust ourselves to her loving care. We believe that no matter what that person says or does, his words and deeds are always good for our own good. Such a person is someone I can believe in and be vulnerable with, because she will treasure who I am by her actions and her words. I am safe with this person and do I need to protect myself because I trust him with my life and innermost self. This is the definition of faith. And faith is the necessary condition of any human friendship. Human beings have a deep need for faith and friendship, without which we cannot survive. Think about what would happen in your life if you could not trust anyone about anything. How would you get through one day like that? To trust others is an essential part of being human and being happy. Yet, as we know, human beings are not always trustworthy. Thus, we have within us a very deep and natural desire to believe in God, to believe not only that God exists, but also that he provides for us. This is why human beings have always practiced some form of religion. 
which is our human way of seeking a relationship with God in hope of finding a firm basis for our lives, a place to stand with confidence that life is good and worthwhile. And that's a style of writing you're going to find throughout this book. And the author and our guest this evening is Michael Terrian, Ph.D., president of the Parambola Group, a lay apostolate serving the work of new evangelization in the Diocese of Pittsburgh. He served as the president of the Institute for Pastoral Leadership in the Diocese of Pittsburgh, as well as the director of evangelization. Prior to this, he served as a professor of moral theology at the Augustine Institute in Denver. He taught for seven years at St. Vincent Seminary in Latrobe, also serving as academic dean from 2008 to 2012. He holds a doctorate in fundamental moral theology from the University of Freiburg, Switzerland in 2007. And he and his wife, Lynn, and their four children live in Freedom, Pennsylvania. And if you hear me slipping and calling him Mike, it's because uh, we worked together for a number of years and then we uh, distance parted us and we start working in two different buildings. And so we've not seen one another for a number of years. But Dr. Michael Terrian, let me at least say once, welcome to Amplify. Hey, thanks, Brother Ron. It's great to be with you. Tell us a little bit how you believe a book like this, and I think I've already explained a little bit myself, but how you believe a book like this can be helpful in so many ways, but in the midst of our present crisis. Yeah, well, one of the things that I've really noticed with the coronavirus is how much fear people have. And not just fear of the unknown and the future, but also just fear of other people, uh, the intentions of others, whether that's our neighbors or whether that's government officials. And the other thing I've noticed, though, is that people who have a deep faith in God are at much greater peace uh, with the situation and are sort of moving through this experience, perhaps we could say more gracefully, because I think they have a deep confidence that there is, you know, that all of this falls within God's love and his plan in some way, and that he's trying to bring good out of these circumstances for the whole human family across the entire world. The title of the first chapter in your book is The Necessity of Faith for Life. Do you believe that even in the midst of this crisis that God is revealing himself to us in some way? I do, absolutely. I, I You know, I've been asking the question a lot, and, and I've been doing this to try to keep my own fears and anxieties at a, at a minimum. But just what is God trying to show us at this time? What's he trying to teach us? And in the past two months, I think for myself anyhow, and I've talked to the people who I've feel the same way, that I think the Lord has really shown us, first of all, a lot of the the things that maybe aren't so great about the crazy, high-paced world that we live in. Uh, I think a lot of people are rediscovering things like spending more time with family. Um, you know, it's 
a lot of families have their children at home, which is, of course, challenging and very different and uncomfortable, I think, for a lot of families. But I think in the midst of that, like I've heard parents talk about how wonderful it is to actually be a little bit more involved in their children's schooling and to have a better sense of what the child does each day in school. And um, and then on the flip side of things, I know for us, we have less activity. Uh, we're not running everywhere. And so, I mean, you know, that's one set of things that I think God is trying to show us. I also think, I think he's really trying to show us the importance of human solidarity. I think a situation like this challenges us to be with one another through an experience like this and have a sense of solidarity. Uh, even if we feel inconvenienced and aren't personally affected by what's going on, we, we're very aware of the fact that other people are. Uh, whether it's because they are vulnerable to get sick or whether they're out there on the front lines helping people or maybe they're leaders trying to make very, very difficult decisions under circumstances of tremendous duress. They're tired. Um, and so, you know, I see a lot of uh, people much more aware and mindful of others and reaching out and making an effort to get out of their regular routine to try to help their neighbors. Uh, so, you know, these are just examples. I could go on and on, but I, I think that, that that God is trying to show us, uh, you know, sort of the face of humanity or what we are capable of becoming, uh, you know, if we if we give ourselves the opportunity to do that, and maybe this situation is kind of forcing that on us. Um, but I think God's very much present. I see God working in all sorts of amazing ways. Uh, like I just you know, yes. described. Especially as we reach out uh, in prayer. Um, prayer becomes an exercise of love, becomes an exercise of free will. It becomes, in many ways, our explication of our belief in God, our need for God, our love for God, and our realization that it wasn't God who created what is happening, but God cares for us so much that even in the worst of times in our life, uh, he went her in to, to help us. Uh, and sometimes that's when we learn the most valuable lessons are in the worst of life, not in the best. Um, let's take this break and then we'll be back. Welcome back to uh, Amplify, where our guest is Dr. Michael Terrian. We're talking about his book, The Catholic Faith Explained. Um, maybe that title belies a little bit what we're talking about, the context today, what's happening throughout uh, the world. Um, and I apologize for speaking so much at the beginning of the program. The only time I usually do that is when a guest doesn't show up, and then I have to fill for the whole program. Uh, but uh, there's some things I just felt I were in my heart, my mind, that I that I wanted to say, and if we don't get far enough into the book, then I'll, I'll be speaking uh, to Michael and asking him if he wants to come back again in the future. But we're really talking about the importance of, of faith. It's from a Catholic perspective, no doubt about it. And the book, uh, at one point, is explicitly about Catholic faith. Uh, but there's a part of it that so many of us uh, can agree on and might well be, be this. Michael, how do I believe that God is speaking to me and know that I can trust him. Sometimes it, 
uh, at Mass. And, of course, we've not done that for weeks now. I, I always wish that people were listening to the Word of God as it's being proclaimed and somehow know the God speaking to them. But how do we get through that? How do I know the God speaking to me and therefore I can trust Him? Yeah, well, I, obviously the you mentioned Scripture, so one of the, the greatest ways is to really spend a lot of time in Scripture. Uh, we know that God has revealed Himself to us through His words and His deeds, and I think what Scripture kind of demonstrates to us is that, uh, you know, God, God's words and His actions are very consistent, and they're very just. Uh, they're very true. They resonate very deeply within us. Um, so it's important to spend time with Scripture. I think it's also important to pray. Uh, people, the more time we spend in prayer, especially quiet prayer, where we really try to listen to God, the more we can become attuned to uh, His presence within our hearts uh, and, and within our minds, uh, and He can lead us. And if we can trust him and allow him to lead us, I think what happens, what's proclaimed in Scripture becomes a reality in our own lives, that when he speaks to us in different ways, I often say that God speaks to us often through impressions in the soul. But, you know, he speaks to us in many ways. He speaks to us through other people. He speaks to us sometimes in words in our, in our hearts. Sometimes it's a feeling. But uh, if, we can, if we can follow God's lead, then as we go through our life and we look back and we remember, we can see all the many things that God has done in our life um, and that he fulfills those, those promises of hope that you had mentioned earlier that uh, help build confidence, I think, over time in him. Um, but so often we want to put God on, a, on trial, <laughs> try to force him to, to prove himself to us. And... My experience, anyhow, God becomes very quiet <laughs> uh, because he wants us to be more humble and to really open our hearts to him and be vulnerable, and then, then he can really enter in and really reveal himself. And, of course, the next challenge is how do I give myself to him, of course. Tell us a little bit about the difference. It might be technical to some degree that you make between objective and sub the subjective senses of the word faith. Yeah, so the objective sense of the faith is, you know, God has revealed himself to us. He's disclosed his inner self and his intentions and his plans towards the human family. And then, so that's objective faith. It's sort of like, what is it that God has revealed to us? Subjective faith is uh, my willingness to freely give my assent to what he has revealed to us and to entrust myself to that revelation. So I often compare it to any relationship of friendship or marriage where, you know, you never know in a scientific way a person, except insofar as they reveal themselves to you and let them know who they are on the inside. And over time, if you have a good relationship, the person's words and their actions will be consistent and true, and they'll be animated by a love for you. So uh, that's, you know, uh, I think that's how God, you know, that's how God wants to speak to us, but faith takes both 
dimensions, you have to, God has to reveal himself, and then we have to believe him. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Holy Spirit plays a role in this, and you write, before this faith can be exercised, and this is, to, this is from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, before this faith can be exercised, man must have the grace of God to move and assist him. He must have the interior helps of the Holy Spirit who moves the heart and converts it to God. Close quote. And you write, this means simply that when a baptized person receives the gift of the Holy Spirit, he also receives the divine help he needs to believe in God's revelation, even though he did not witness the events of the Bible in in person. Anything more you want to add to the role of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I, the Holy Spirit is really is really the movement of faith, hope, and love within the soul. Um, we we it, it's it's on a very natural level. It's difficult to give our assent in faith to God's revelation. It because we can't demonstrate or prove it to ourselves. It you know any more than. When a mother says to her child, I love you, the child can't prove that or demonstrate it in some sort of experiment. It's something that one comes to believe, okay, by uh, the presence of that person, that mother, who's loving that child. So very similarly, we have to, you know, we have to place ourselves into God's presence and the Holy Spirit is what moves us inwardly to be able to do that, um, and uh, and also to hope. You know, I think one of the greatest challenges to faith, especially in the world today, but I think it's always been the case, is the problem of suffering and evil. People people see terrible things happen or experience terrible things in their life, and they come to doubt. Well, how can this happen if God loves me? You know. And the underlying assumption is that, well, if God loves me, nothing bad is going to happen in, ever in the world. But of course, as Christians, we know that, you know, evil happens because people sin and people people use their freedom in ways that are very harmful and destructive to one another. But God is always present to us in the midst of that. And so he bears us up in hope. The Spirit moves and helps us believe that even though the our experience of life can seem very dark. Um, God is with us, and and He's leading us to uh, a, a sort of time in life in the future where He will take away all the sadness and all the sorrow and all the pain and and the suffering, etc. And you know that's our hope for heaven. And then he, he, the Spirit also moves in us through love because. Um, Sometimes, especially as Jesus teaches us, you know, loving other people is not easy. Uh, uh, people can hurt us. People can uh, have different faults and different things that make loving them different, difficult. And then God is very hidden and very uh, invisible. So that can be hard to love an invisible God. So the Spirit really comes to our aid and moves within us like inspiration to be able to give that assent of trust to God, to hope in his future promises, and to love right here and now, uh, even in the face of you know, adversity and difficulty. And you write about the 
fact that um, probably the biggest challenge to faith in God is human suffering, what we're going through right now. And we need to understand that there are consequences to good and to evil, whether it's on an individual basis. I could do something good for you, and it would be nice. It might deepen our relationship, bring us closer together. Or I could do something very harmful to you, whether I'm talking about you uh, or um, uh, doing even worse than that. And so we talk about the individual. What about if there's millions or billions of people in the world doing what is wrong or doing what is good? Well, there are consequences to that. And we sometimes don't think about that. And we want to jump right away to God rather than how people have turned away from God or turning toward God. In your second chapter, you begin to talk about the nature of truth, and that's that's happening right now. You know, what really happened in China uh, is one of the big questions uh, right now. And, And you write about how opinion is different from truth. How is opinion different from truth, and how do we know then what is true? Yeah, so I, I always like to answer a question like this by, you know, clarifying what truth is, first of all, because I think people think of truth as something out there. <laughs> and I think a better way to understand truth is that it's it's really a relationship between our mind and reality. And truth is the correspondence between those two things. So what we when what we think it corresponds to what is then we have the truth. So to your example, everybody wants to know what the origin of COVID-19 is. And I think it matters to people because people want to know whether it was an accident, whether it was negligence, or whether it was something more insidious, intentional. Uh, uh, Part of that is because they want to blame and that may not necessarily be helpful, but but we, we humans have an innate desire to know the truth and to live in the truth. And I always say, you know, nobody likes to be lied to, right? <laughs> Who likes to be lied to? It, it's very uh, upsetting when we find out that someone's been dishonest. It makes us very angry, and that's a very natural response. So, so truth is really important, and truth pertains to reality, what is. Whereas opinions really deal with our preferences. And preferences have to, they have to relate to some reality, but, but they're very subjective. So I always say, you know, uh, you know, some people like red and some people like blue. And it's a matter of opinion whether you like red more than blue or blue more than red. It, there's no, uh, that, that subjective relationship that a person has to that color is a matter of personal preference. It's an opinion. And so it's not right or wrong. It's just what a person prefers. Another way of looking at an opinion is that sometimes people don't actually know the truth about something, uh, but they assert a claim about something that they actually don't know about. And so they hold that view as a matter of an opinion. So, um, you know, so how do you get to the truth? Well, we get to the truth through reason. 
And reason can be used in different ways. Um, it can be used through a scientific method like we see in the hard sciences. It can be used in a philosophical way through logic. Uh, uh, reason can be used, uh, you know, to, uh, by observing, just paying attention to what's going on and accumulating through experience a grasp or an understanding of a certain reality. So uh, reason is one of the mo- is the primary ways that we come to know the truth. But the other way is through faith. We come to the truth through faith. And and that's because what we that is religious faith because what we what we believe in as Christians is that God has revealed truths to us or realities about himself and about his plans for us that we couldn't know if God didn't share that with us. So, for example, we, we can't, we wouldn't know that God is a trinity, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We wouldn't know that Jesus is God. We wouldn't know that we're going to rise from the dead bodily and that God desires all of us to be in heaven with him. These are things that only can be known when God reveals them to us. And to the extent to which we believe in them, we possess truth and not just opinion. We're not talking about, I prefer to go to heaven, or I prefer, or I have the, you know, it would be my my personal, you know, uh, preference that there be a heaven. No, we're talking about whether there is a heaven or isn't a heaven. And as Christians say, no, God tells us there, there is a heaven, and so... We believe that we have the truth about that. So hopefully that kind of clarifies that the subjective, objective, and then also just the idea of how do we come to know the truth. There's different ways, different pathways. Yeah, there's intuition and also the heart uh, as, as two other ways. Uh, we could spend uh, this, the whole program, this first hour and the second hour, on the first 20 pages of the book, really. Yeah. So I'm really going to hope that we you can come back again sometime in the future, um, sure. You you write um, uh, um, the desire. This desire for God is essential to being human. It matters terribly that we know the truth. Some of the greatest evils ever perpetrated have resulted from false images of God or the outright denial of His existence. Yet the greatest and most wonderful acts of love and mercy have resulted from true faith in God and knowledge of his existence and purpose. This is why faith is so important to human flourishing. And so there's so much we can know about reason. Let's just talk about the the other force in the last uh, four minutes we have of this second section of the program. Tell us a little bit about evil, how you deal with that section of your book. How do we begin to explain evil, its existence, and and its influence on our lives and in the world? Yeah. Well, um, I think the first thing to uh, I think to grasp is you know that evil really is the absence of something which ought to be there, uh, it, the absence of some good that ought to be there. So. I give examples in the book, but one example I use often is we think of blindness, for example. That's a that's a physical evil. It's it's a privation of sight. Sight should be there in the eyes, but it's not. 
And so we don't celebrate it. We don't say, oh, my gosh, hallelujah, my child was born blind. No, we're sad because a good, namely sight, ought to be there and it's not there. And so we're, we're naturally and quite reasonably very sad and devastated by the news of our child being blind. But we move on and we do the best we can to uh, cope and respond to that situation. There's also moral evil. Moral evil is, is, is when people fail in what they ought to do in the order of love and mercy. So every sin is a form of, it's a form of failing in love. It's, we're not loving what we ought to with sufficient love, or we're loving, uh, we're loving some things way more than they deserve. Uh, and so, the, you know, the, 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 re, the religious life is largely about how God brings the order of love into right order within our hearts so that we love things as they ought to be loved in proportion to their value and their goodness. So obviously we, we, we should love God most of all. We should love human beings, you know, uh, and then, then we might love, you know, other animals and, and love the good of our planet mm-hmm. and, and so on and so forth. So, but there's kind of like a hierarchy of good that we are to love uh, in the right way. So what happens, evil is really what, ha- what results when we don't love in the right way. We either love things too much or too little. So, and that causes harm. It, it causes suffering in the world. And, and we, we, you know, people oftentimes, you know, it's very understandable, but we get angry when people do evil. We, we feel the affront of injustice when evil is committed, moral evil is committed. Um, and we can despair of God in the face of natural disaster as well, like a, like a devastating, you know, tornado that rips through a town and levels a town and people die or coronavirus. And you watch all of our loved ones, especially those who are so vulnerable pass from this virus. And, and we wonder, you know, why and where does all this come from? And, and why can't God create a world where there's no evil? And, and I, I often tell people this isn't a satisfying answer, but it's a true answer. And that is, is that uh, the choice God had was to either create beings that are finite and free at the same time, and therefore capable of choosing evil or making terrible mistakes, and he also, uh, or he, or not create at all. Um, you know, so obviously he, God believes that creating was an infinitely greater thing. And what's so beautiful about the Christian story is that we know that, that God has the capacity of bringing tremendous good out of an evil situation. Michael, let's stop right there. Let's stop with that thought because we need to take the, the next break that God can bring good out of the most evil situation. We'll take this break and then we'll be back. (laughs) 